of the Jews, the well-heeled merchant, had confronted Jesus and tried to trap him with a trick question, which he quickly turned back to them and embarrassed them in front of the people. And that's where we pick up in today's gospel. It says a layman who was a member of the Pharisee party, the common party of all Jewish people, and the strict observers of every tittle and title of Jewish law, came to ask Jesus a question. It was not a trick question, but it was a hard question, a difficult question. Because the question was, teacher, what is the most important of all of God's laws that we are to live under? Now you have to realize that when you and I today think of God's laws to the Jewish people, our minds immediately go to the Ten Commandments. And we think of those Ten Commandments, four of which refer to our relationship to God, and six of which refer to our relationship with one another. And that is the basis of all Jewish law. But you see, in the more than a 1,300 years since Moses gave the Ten Commandments to the Jewish people, and they studied the law and tried to assign it and explain it, in relationship to every facet of their daily life, they had expanded the Ten Commandments into over 600 rules, regulations, and laws that were the official pronouncements of the teachers of Israel. They were written down, they were codified, and no one could remember without reading them on the scroll, could remember all the laws that affected them and every facet of their life. In fact, there was a prayer that many Jewish people used to say, Lord, forgive me for whatever law I broke which I did not know about. (laughs) So this lawyer asked Jesus, what is the greatest law of God. And without taking a breath, without any hesitation, Jesus immediately shot back the words that are on the banner before us that we know as the the principal commandment of the Christian church, what we call the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Now, Jesus didn't make that up. Those were not words that came from his heart. They came from his heart. They came from his life. But he was not the originator of them. 
You see, those words go back to the Ten Commandments. And they're based on the birth of monotheism, which came into the world for the first time when God revealed himself to Abraham and said, Abraham, if you will leave your home and your village and all the gods that you worship and that your people worship and the heritage in which you were raised and follow me to a new land that I will lead you to and worship me only as your God, then I will make of you a great and powerful nation and I will bless you and the people of the world will bless you and you will be a blessing to the world. And at that moment, monotheism was founded. And one of the first prayers that came out of monotheism recorded by Moses in the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy is what is known in Jewish culture as the Shema. It is a prayer. It is a prayer near and dear to every Jewish person. In Jesus' day and in our day. And the Shema reads, Hear, listen, pay attention, O all of Israel, and know that the Lord your God is one, not many, one, who is responsible for your creation and your life and the sustenance of your life and who guides you, who is your beginning and your end, and your constant support throughout your life. The Lord your God is one, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Those are the words of the Shema that Jesus gave as an answer to the lawyer who asked him that question. And there he had answered the question. Because the question was not, what is the greatest commandments, plural, but what is the greatest commandment, singular? And it is the Shema. Loving God with all of our being. But Jesus did not stop there. He reached into another section of the Mosaic law, into another book of Moses, the book of Leviticus. And in the 19th chapter of the book of Leviticus, it says, you must love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what Jesus did. He went on and he added this second commandment to the first and made them one. You must love your neighbor as yourself. So what we're faced with right here is not did Jesus misquote or misuse scripture but what we need to ask ourselves is why? 
did Jesus very consciously and very deliberately take these two important Mosaic commandments and bring them together and present them as one so that loving God is exemplified by your relationship with your neighbor. And the way you treat your neighbor is dictated by your understanding and faithfulness to your God. You might recall that on one incident, Jesus was accused of not being faithful and perhaps even abrogating the Old Testament laws and the prophets. And Jesus said, I have not come to cancel the law and the prophets, but I have come to fulfill them. I have come to make them whole, to apply them properly to your life so that you do understand what's expected of you. And you don't have to ever pray, Lord, protect me from breaking any commandment I was not aware of. Because he gave us the heart, the soul, the nucleus of the atom of Christianity, the great commandment, loving God with all of our being and loving our neighbor as ourself. See, what Jesus is telling us is you can talk about loving God all you want. It is my pleasure to be able to declare God's message for us this morning as we gather to worship him in this place. And I plead with you to listen very carefully to what I put before you this morning and to consider it. I believe that the words spoken by Jesus Christ in the first half of today's gospel are the most important words that he spoke on this earth. I believe the words that we heard proclaimed in the gospel today, spoken by Jesus Christ, are the most important words that he spoke on this earth. Now you will be wondering, if that's true, then how about the Sermon on the Mount? How about the parable of the Good Samaritan? How about the words spoken by Jesus from the altar of the cross as he surrendered his life to the Father to save us? These are all very important words, very important actions, but they all are amplifications and evidences of what Jesus spoke to us this morning. you may be skeptical. So, in the words of that great Cuban theologian, Ricky Ricardo, <laughs> I got some splaining to do. 
And to do that, let's revisit the scene of today's gospel. It's Passover time, one of the principal feasts, celebrations of the Jewish nation in which they commemorate their, savor, their saving from slavery, their redemption at the hand of God by the prophet Moses. So important was this event in their life that they were instructed to relive it every year. The principal part of that was done in every home, every Jewish home, as they gathered around their tables and enjoyed a meal that consisted of baked uh, uh, meat, vegetables, various herbs, unleavened bread, and wine all elements that represented different facets of this great event in their life. The Mosaic Law also required that every adult Jew who could possibly do so and was in a reasonable distance from the temple should come to Jerusalem during the week of celebration of Passover and to celebrate part of that feast in the temple. People came from villages all over Israel and beyond, wherever the Roman Empire had scattered them throughout the kingdom. Very often they came with their rabbis, their village rabbi. And in visiting the temple, they would gather around their rabbi to be instructed about the significance of these events. And that was the setting where we find Jesus this morning. The rabbi, not from the village, but the peripatetic rabbi of all the Jewish people who walked from one end of Israel to the other, preaching the gospel of salvation and drawing people to himself. And wherever he preached, Large crowds came to hear him, and that's where we find him, under one of the porticos in Solomon's temple in this morning's gospel. In the portion before we read, one of the political groups of the Jewish people that, was con that consisted mainly of the aristocracy, you can shout from the rooftops, that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it's only empty words unless you can back it up with action. And that's what Jesus is saying. And that's what makes his words so important. And that's where he holds our feet to the fire. And that's where we have no excuse for not fulfilling God's call on our life because he has made it eminently clear to us that it's how we live among ourselves and how we treat one another that shows the reality of what we really believe as opposed to what we 
say we believe. We gathering here today in this beautiful setting to give praise, honor, and worship to God. And that's laudable. We have come here and we've sang beautiful praises and serenaded God, the words of which relate to us and help raise our spirits and our hope. And we have been elevated by the things that we have done into the presence of God. We have prayed, said words, offered hopes and aspirations for people around us who are suffering or who are staggering and under the weight of faithfulness to their God in the face of much opposition. We have even confessed our sinfulness to God and asked for his forgiveness and the ability to live our lives faithfully. We have listened to his words that have come down from the centuries in the writings of the apostles, in the gospel, in the Old Testament readings, in the Psalms, and we have been inspired by the words that we have heard. And very soon we will dine at the table of the Lord. And he will nourish us and strengthen us and support us with his own presence under the mystery of bread and wine. But then the doors of this church will open and we will leave this place where we have spent the last hour or so and go out into that world out there filled with neighbors, many of whom are very difficult to love. And under the weight of things that we carry also that make us difficult to love. And there we will put all of the things that we did here to the test. Here we have expressed our love for God with all of our being and promised to try to love our neighbor as ourself. And we go out into that world and for the next seven days work at trying to make that promise that we make to our God a reality. So in the words of the hopeful dismissal that we all will hear before we leave this gathering this morning, let us go forth to impact the world in Jesus' name and love our neighbor as ourself. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. And God's people say, thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.